Kidney and Clowder with me, Jake and Ol, following a 23-point win against the Hawks on Easter Monday. Couldn't feel any better going to work on Tuesday. Oh, just the best way to finish a week, Jake. Absolutely, yeah. It was a great win. We played really well and it was, yeah, couldn't have beat a better team in Hawthorne. Yeah, and I think, Ollie, that's one of the things as well. No matter how many ins or outs Hawthorne have or we have, the players out there, the 22 players, are going to give 150%. So a win against Hawthorne, it, it does feel like eight points as opposed to four. It's Yeah, oh, there's, you know, decades of history between the two clubs and plain to see that uh, there's a lot of emotion in, in 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 the games. Very, very happy, very, very proud, more or less, for the... Um, for the boys to have played so well and to been harder for longer as um, Clarkson was hoping the Hawks would be. Mm. Clarkson did start off the match. He was high-fiving everyone left, right and centre to be seen and like he'd already won the match, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> After the three-quarter time, we were up by 30 points. I don't think he was high-fiving too many people, which is good to see. <laughs> um, but Arguably the best coach in the league, Alistair Clarkson. He did have some tricks in the bag for us. And one of those was putting one of his best small forwards uh, actually down back for the majority of the match. And it was a midfield battle. And on the stats, look at it. All right, okay. Fairly matched in terms of clearances. Fairly matched in terms of disposals. Although we did clip them on that. Inside 50 is 55 to 48 out way. Contested possessions were pretty even as well. 156 to the Cats to 150 to the Hawks. We beat them in the tackles department, which I love. That's going to be key this season. Uh, hit outs. Stanley thing made up with those with his off-the-ball work including his goals. Interesting match. First half, how did you see this one, Jake? Yeah, well, in the first quarter, I was definitely um, concerned. Like, you know, everyone was saying that, you know, Cats were going to win this easily and then Ben Stratton was a late out and, oh, yeah, you'll definitely win this now. And, you know, I was away camping and I was watching in the camp rec room and everyone was saying, oh, you know, Geelong's going to win this easy now. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, Oh, it's it's never that easy with Hawthorne. No matter who's out for their mm. team, there's always it always gets back to equal terms when it's a long Hawthorne Easter Monday clash. So when they got away to a bit of a lead in the first quarter, I was starting to get a bit worried. But you know, towards the end of that first quarter, when Rowan kicked two goals in a minute after clunking two really good marks, I was a bit more comfortable once we we're in front. And from there on, pretty much we held the lead and and played quite a lot better than what Hawthorne did for the rest of the game, except for patches in the last quarter. But definitely um, Clarkson was moving the magnets around on the board, putting Gunston back uh, went a long way then to stop some of our forward 50 entries. And that was probably the only move they could make with the personnel they had on field. Um, So credit to them for at least trying something and, and getting in the vicinity and in the realm of the game to win it and getting close enough. But, yeah, definitely. I think the not so much Hawthorne's outs cost them in the end. I think we played better on the day, regardless. But yeah, it was a pretty good four quarter performance in the end overall. I was uh, I was loving Gary Rowan right at the end of that uh, that first quarter when we needed a yeah. spark. He provided it. 
yeah, typical Hawthorne Geelong match. I was um, emotional. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say I was loud, even if it was just at home, just watching the game at home. I think my neighbours would have um, been knocking on my door at some point or time. Darrow there, he's becoming one of the fans' favourites. Twelve disposals, and we did highlight this earlier that he will be a player that will notch up between five to ten disposals, and similar to what I guess we've seen with Jordan Murdoch at times in terms of disposal counts. But it's the clutch of those accounts. He comes away with four goals. <laughs> he comes away with a few inside fifties, some great pressure acts, and. Yeah, some absolute great marks to go with that. It, he was phenomenal on the day. He suits our style of play more, I think, than he did Sydney. Do you think, Jake, I know Ben Reid wasn't fit last season for Sydney, so they pretty much had Buddy up forward as the standalone tall forward. But this year, Tom Hawkins and Big Sav up there, that frees up. Rowan to be the one to take contested mark or fly in or even we'll get to actually we'll spend a bit of time talking about Ablett, but <laughs> a, a few yeah, well, surprising it's, it's players. Definitely a, it's definitely a weapon for any team to have that strong second marking tool because, you know, the fact is that the, the number one forward target gets the most attention and Hawkins in this game definitely did so and was pretty well well held to one goal. Um, it's just such an important weapon for any team to have that second tall marking target or player that can take those strong marks, especially from like a quick kick out of the midfield as he got those two goals in the last in the last minute of the first quarter. You know, and, and Sav sort of plays that role where he's up the ground a little bit more and getting a lot of kicks out of defence and in the midfield and then getting it inside 50 or off to a player who can get it inside 50 and Rowan has a couple of weapons in that strong marking ability and that tackle pressure uh, and, and chase, which which is great. So you, you really you put it anywhere near him and it will either result in a spillage um, or, or, you know, he'll make a contest in some way to get the ball to another player. So he's been a real a real weapon for us so far in the first six games of the of the year, or first five games of the year. But, yeah, definitely all um, his role has been um, fantastic for Geelong. I think it does suit us a bit better. I don't know if Sydney ever played him as like a leading, like mm. contested mark sort of forward, but it just seems like we're giving him, I don't know, if the respect that the his, his sort of type of player is or we just sort of made a role for him and, and figured out what his strengths were and, and used them to our advantage. Yeah. Um, he's a, you know, he's a high octane player. And when we play our best football, we can score very, very quickly, which is, you know, we play a, we do play a chaotic wave type brand of, of football that, that is very high scoring and, you know, it's very momentum based. And I feel like he really suits that because you put it anywhere in his area, as you said, and, you know, he, he has, he makes defenders nervous. The ball, the ball hits the ground. He's hassling, chasing, tackling, the ball's in the air, he'll fly for it, crash the pack, use his, uh, use his explosive power. And also another thing, if, if 
he gets kicked the ball on the lead, he's super quick, so he's often in front and first to move when it comes to that leading option. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think that when you highlight Gary Rowan there, there's those players where on the stat sheets, the stats lie almost 12 disposals, and you look at that singly and you think, okay. And I think we talked about this last week as well. And it's a bit the same for Big Sav for me, Sav Radigalea, six yeah. disposals and at 17% disposal efficiency. But what the off-the-ball work provides, him just going up for a mark and being a contest, bringing it to ground, okay, all right, doesn't count as a disposal, doesn't count as a 1% or maybe, but that would free up the likes of, as we've talked about, Tom Atkins, Grant Myers. I'm becoming a broken record saying this, I think. Yeah. So I know he, he did miss those two shots at goal and he probably did need to put them away or at least, at least one away for, for a bit of momentum because he hasn't been prolific kicking set shots, Jake. And yeah. when Hawkins isn't firing, you can't rely on Gary Rowan every single week to kick for a bag of four or for Ablett to pull out some heroics in a certain quarter that he did we'll, that we'll get to very soon, I'm sure. So do you think for his, for his confidence he does need to just maybe put a few goals away? Or? Yeah, he, he, he's only kicked one goal in five weeks. And whichever way you look at that, that's probably not enough for a second tall forward in any team especially with the hands that he is capable of and the marks he is capable of getting. I, I don't know if they need to play him a bit closer to goal and utilise that marking ability a bit with a bit more, like a closer range to goal where he can have more shots. He's definitely mm. doing his job up the ground really well. And, you know, people might say he hasn't been marking really well. And I'd have to agree with that. But the simple fact is he's still making contests and he's starting to slowly get the marks up on the board now, including mm. screamers over Jarman Impey in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> but he's, yeah. I, I don't know if, if, you know, maybe it's like a break glass in case of emergency case. If we just cannot kick a score, maybe we move him back, you know, late in a quarter and hopefully grabs, you know, one or two and kicks a goal from close range. But I don't think it's distance that it's that's an issue. I think it's just his accuracy and, I don't know, he's probably still fine-tuning his goal-kicking uh, sort of run-up, but definitely closer to goal obviously makes things a bit easier, so wouldn't be the worst case to get him a bit closer to goal and maybe have another forward option pushing up uh, higher up the ground. Mm. Yeah. Oh, is it also important to remember that he's only played, this is the, the 12th game, he's played at AFL level and exactly. is a 20-year-old kid. Yep. You look at him in, in terms of his frame, <laughs> it could be mid-20s or mid-to-late-20s, and he looks like an experienced footballer just from looking at him, but he's a yeah. 20-year-old kid and with a, a huge leap. And yeah, all right, he's, he's only played 12 games and in some respects still is. If, if any listeners out there were attending the JLT matches, they, they would have heard Hawkins barking instructions to him at, at times at that, that Essendon match. So, in some respects, after 12 games, you still are learning the craft. Mm. Um, is it a case of the more games, the, the more he will learn and the more he will manage responsibilities, whether that be taking a mark on the wing or bringing it down up forward? Or the other argument is in line, 
Darcy Fort has been playing up forward with Ryan Abbott mostly in the ruck, rotating a little bit in the VFL, and he's been kicking goals at twos at threes. Mm-hmm. Wiley Buzzer also we've seen as a, a ruck rotator playing the Sav role previously. Mm-hmm. So is there a bit of pressure on Sav, or do we also have to be a bit understanding? This is a 20-year-old kid and has a huge bark future. Um, I think, it's, yeah, I think there's you can make an argument for, for both, as we're basically uh, alluding to. Personally, I would say that, uh, you know, the, the more games he can get, at the top level, because he can do it, he can do it. But we can't, we can't just give him games. We're not, you know, it's not a charity team in a sense. So he's going to have to provide more on the stat sheet sooner rather than later. But I feel like, you know, eventually the things will turn. He can do that. I mean, he wasn't doing. He didn't do much in terms of uh, you know getting his name called by the commentators but that one moment at the end of the game the the you know the high flying mark just shows you that he only needs a moment um and and can have an impact he might be you know one of these impact type players um at least for a, a little while while he is you know 20 and has only played the handful of of games, so um, you know, just more exposure and perhaps a horses for courses type approach with him and the other forwards. I'm not totally opposed to him dropping down a level and playing in the VFL for you know a week or two just to get some touch and kick a bag of goals if he you know if he's in reasonable form. But I'm also not opposed to him playing a role and doing what he's been doing. Uh, you know, crashing packs and so forth. If the opposition is weak in defence and can be exposed by some of his athletic talent. Yeah. I think the club would be happy on the whole with his off-the-ground work in terms of just being the presence that he has. It, it means that a key defender has to take him up and that would free up, okay, Hawkins or Gary Rowan for a lead. So... Yeah. When he's not crashing packs and when he isn't taking marks or isn't doing stints in the rock, just his presence is is huge. Mm. Um, he did he did come off a bit gingerly. I, I can't remember whether it was from a rock contest or uh, coming down from a contested mark that it looked at the time. I wasn't sure whether it was a twisted ankle or, but he was holding that quite a few times and was notable that he didn't quite uh, leap up for one of them. I think that was when Rough Ed took a mark in the third or the fourth quarter uh, and and Sav was to be seen at the back and didn't quite utilise his his vertical jump yeah, as we did, have. didn't have quite seen. get to the contest. Yeah, so there may have been a, a bit of a an, an injury note there. The other injury note, Jake, which is been a huge promising sign for 2019. Brandon Parfit has been emerging as one of these young kids that is actually exploding this year. Mixed reports. Um, Channel 7 Fox are reporting quad, which isn't great news because at the very minimum that's a, okay, a month out of footy. But then K-Rock 
were reporting at the time during the match, Corky. I'm not mm. sure at the time of this recording. We're recording this currently before teams are selected. But he did remain off for pretty much most of the third quarter and all of the the fourth quarter. How big a blow is that, regardless of whether he, he misses just the West Coast match or if it is worse than we think? Yeah, well, I think Chris Scott has since stated that he has sustained a minor quad injury. So not just a cork, it is an actual quad injury itself. So that's the worst news that we could have heard out of those two options, mm. unfortunately. So he might be set for a, a couple of weeks on the sidelines, but definitely his, his foot skills going inside 50 and his creativeness around goal, giving little hands off and, and things like that will be, will be missed. It's hard to replace those players that have that zip and that defensive pressure aspect to their game. Um, probably Charlie Constable will come straight back in to replace him after his resting, but I don't know who else moves. You know, Maybe Atkins goes back into the forward line because he's been playing a bit of middle the last couple of weeks and Constable comes in to replace him. I wouldn't see that as a bad option at all, but yeah, Parfit's been one of the, the rising stars that's been pushing Geelong's younger brigade so far this year and he definitely will be missed with his um, overall tackle pressure and those foot skills I mentioned, but yeah, it's unfortunate for him that he, he will be missing a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah, and I think that will be a straight swap. Teams haven't been announced as the time of recording, but Constable for for Brown and Parfit does seem a, a sensible move with Guthrie back in the team now. Yeah, exactly. Bit of, bit of debate over Guthrie. I want to have a, a quick chat regarding Cam Guthrie because I actually thought he was one of our best players in the weekend. At halftime, he was one of our leading disposable getters behind Tim Kelly and Harry Taylor. And Harry Taylor's not in there for the disposable count. He did kick some great goals. And But Cam at halftime, his first half, he was absolutely destroying it. Five tackles. I think he, he had 14 disposals. Uh, he finishes the match with 22 disposals and eight tackles, which is clutch to me. I don't think Chook, if he played against Hawthorne in that pressure cooker environment, not having a crack at Chook, not taking away anything about his ability, but eight tackles in the centre is is really, really important in these types of matches. And that's what the likes of Cam and if fit Scooter Cell would provide. The flip side to that is, okay, he had finished the match with 54.5% disposal efficiency, but I, I I thought he was incredible first half. And, yep, okay, maybe when, because he was playing centre, that when he was kicking inside 50, it, it didn't lead to a mark or it, it led to a or possession and so on. But eight tackles, 22 disposals on a first game back for Cam, uh, along with four center clearances, I think that's a, a really, really good return. So with Parfit being injured, I think that's great to have Cam back, seeing as Parfit is a little little pressure bunny of sorts and does use the ball quite well. And, and generally, we are used to seeing Cam Guthrie use the ball quite well. Probably one behind Mitch Duncan is one of our best users, Mitch Duck, with 92% disposal efficiency on the weekend, which is just 
it's just the normal for Mitch Duncan, I guess. But what, what are your thoughts, Jake, regarding Cam Guthrie? He does divide supporters, I, I guess. In terms of last year, he didn't fulfil his 2017 potential. But I thought he had a great game. How did you say that? Yeah, yeah, he was. He's definitely uh, the whipping boy now of Geelong. Now that you know Jordan Murdoch's gone, and he's replaced that mantle from Murds. But um, yeah, for a first game back in, considering the injury layoff he had, I thought he was fantastic. Also, he just looked hungry. Oh, I don't know if if you yep. understood it that way, but yeah. he just looked like he was brought in for a reason to sort of play off Omira. And I know that Omira got. 26 disposals and a, and a goal which came in the last quarter, which really didn't eventuate to any, you know, lead changes or anything for Hawthorne. But I feel like he played off Omira really well. And, you know, Omira might have got more disposals, but I think Guthrie's were more important and at better times. And eight tackles in the midfield and four clearances is a fantastic result for someone who normally plays that, you know, back pocket role. And I, I said in the player ratings, because of the form of O'Connor, Guthrie had the freedom to play in the middle in a role that probably suits him a bit better. And he, he played really well. And he just yeah had seemed to have that that hunger and that tenacity to get at the ball and, and get it out to, you know, some players that were running past, which led to scores and in inside 50 entries. I think, you know, the 26 touches for Jago O'Meara, what did they come to? Like, what did they eventuate in, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. he wasn't, he he wasn't have that so damaging. Yeah. yeah he, he wasn't that damaging. He didn't, you know, he wasn't super threatening. Or If it were Titch getting 26, 30, 35, you'd then be worrying because he's, mm. like, he's their main accumulator. But there's going to be someone that gets, that's their leading possession winner on the ground or, or close to their leading possession winner on the ground. I mean... Henderson was someone that had a bunch of disposals early in the match, um, but then disappeared for a period of time and was clamped down on. But in the end of the game, I, I believe he was the highest disposal winner for for Hawthorne, was he not? With uh, yeah, he had, he had thirty three. Yeah, which was yeah with thirty with thirty three, you you would think you would think, oh, he's been brilliant throughout all four quarters, and he's. You know, he's just dominated the game for them. He's been their one shining light in, in midfield and across halfback and all that. If you just looked at the pure stats of it, you would think that. But I don't think Jago O'Meara getting the 26 touches was really that damaging and effective. Yeah. He was going to get... He, he, he's a good player. He's going to get a bunch of the ball anyway. Um, but I think he was held accountable in some sense because... Guthrie did play well and, you know, brought a fair amount of that tackling pressure and experience, bigger body type stuff. In the ultimate pressure cooker game for the home and away season for Geelong and Hawthorne. And 26 touches isn't, for the leading midfield threat isn't that much. Um, Mitch Duncan had 25 and that was behind the... The likes of Selwood, Dangerfield, yeah. Tim Kelly, uh, others in there as well. Who was Mitch Duncan was going at ninety-two disposal efficiency. Was, mm. I think Jagger Amir was going in in the mid nineties or low nineties in disposal efficiency. And so Mitch Duncan's effectively our our fifth mid, if you like, and the one that's that's forgotten at times because he does the simple things so well. 
Um, yeah. I don't think Omira really hurt us. And that's why I think Cam did such a good job and, and on the ball as well. Uh, eight mm. tackles in a match against Hawthorne. Like we've said, irrelevant of ins of outs, just the spectacle and the event. It's so clutch that an experienced body gets in there and eight tackles playing in the centre. Great return for Cam. So I'm hoping that he'll continue his form next week. Some other notable performances, Jake. Um, we'll just shout out a few here now. Mark O'Connor just can, seems to seems to be just continuing his, his really, really good form. Some nice disposals. I think he, he finished the match with 15 disposals. Great disposal efficiency, around 87%. Uh, and from that, gained a few frees as well, doing the the clever things. It, it seems just to be a... Can also man up. He, he does have that height where he can man up on the, the smalls or the the, uh, the slightly tallers. Yeah, oh. mid-sizes. And it, it just seems to fit into that role really, really well. I I think for the time that he was on Popolo, Popolo did get one goal and he probably had about three more shots and a goal when he was playing on Jack Henry, but O'Connor still has proved now that he is a reliable player in defence, which is the main thing that we could have got from him playing down there. There were times in the early parts of his career, obviously, when he was still learning, when he was almost a bit of a liability, just in the way that he was in the team and was just losing important contests. And Mm. from the, the final against the Demons last year, He's been fantastic, to be honest, and he's he started taking contested marks like nobody's business, and you know one-on-one contests he'd win and and get it out to a, a cat's player, and it would be a win for Geelong. But his um ability to man a player like Zach Tui does or like Jed Bu does has been fantastic, and it and it means that we just don't have to worry as much with those two players out of the side now, and he's definitely doing his job and. He's definitely keeping his place in the team. So when the time comes to get one of those players back in, it might not be O'Connor that is the one that makes way for them. It's going to make, you know, it's going to give the uh, selection committee or panel um, some some selection headaches, but they're good headaches to have, as you as we always hear. I just want to make the point on O'Connor that his brilliant contested mark, which effectively was the catalyst for a Geelong goal because he took that mark, he kicked to Dangerfield, who then kicked to someone else, who then kicked inside 50 for Stanley to take a mark, I believe it was, who then went back and nailed the goal. But every one of those kicks and disposals was clean. The ball didn't touch the ground for that entire chain of possession. And it all started from brilliant contested mark from Mark O'Connor. So I'm I'm starting to to warm to him, you know, as as a good all round player and playing his role brilliantly at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Let's take a short break, shall we? I thought our back line as a whole did did really well. And, yeah, we did concede on paper more than we're used to conceding last season in terms of our home and away 
record, but Harry Taylor was absolutely sublime. 86% disposable efficiency, 21 disposals for for Big Harry, and he just sealed it off with a a few goals, and what a tribute to Peter Burnett. We have to shout out. Uh, I thought Jake Cole... Nice touch from Harry there. Yeah, really nice touch. Jake Cole Jasney may have flown under the radar in terms of how much of the pill he actually had, but I thought he, he manned up on the boards quite well. Uh, so I don't really have many, many concerns from the back line. Blitzarves, a great game for me. Jake? Yeah, he he was fantastic. He um he had ten one percent effort. So that's ten blocks or spoils or shepherds that that go a long way towards his teammates getting the ball and having an ability to use the ball in a better position than before he would have made those efforts. He had a, a I think about six marks and a few of them were intercepts, but he really stopped a lot of Hawthorne's forward 50 entries. And between him and Stewart and Coladashny as well, they really they really marked the men that they were playing on at the time quite well. And mm. and they, they've they done it all year, but they, they did a really effective sort of wall where a, a lot of the, the Hawks' forward 50 entries felt like they were just going straight to the Geelong, one of those three Geelong players because, you know, one of them would come off while the other two were protecting their man. And, and I feel like they've just got it down pat now. You know, they, it almost feels like they're taking turns that one of those three or of one of the six defenders takes like the intercept mark and then the you know two would start running to offer a lead or quick hands to get it back into the midfield where the midfielders then do their job. But yeah, the, the backline group as a whole with um, Taylor performing well and, and starting to push forward and try and get some goals this year too. And uh, Tom Stewart with another six rebound 50s were, yeah, they were fantastic again. Mm. Yeah. The, the one percenters that you point out really stood out. Harry Taylor with 10, yeah. Mark Blitzars with 10. Reese Stanley with 9. And Ben McAvoy, yep, he, he did beat him quite easily in terms of the hitouts department. But the athletic ability of Reese Stanley that we saw last season and that we're seeing this season again, two goals, nine one percenters. Probably there's an argument that he actually beat McAvoy in terms of from his off the ground play, I guess. Yeah, off the ball work, but um, I think it was more of a a, a breaking even because I mean, McAvoy did also provide you know an attacking threat for them in that last quarter when they were you know when they had some momentum and were pushing hard to get back into the game. But I think Stanley just just continued the 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 form that we expect of him as of late last year and and early into this year when he's fit you know mm. he he hasn't had a bad game really for for some time we'll, we'll be the first to criticize him in some senses if if he does um if he doesn't have have a great game we'll, we'll definitely um we will call out any player that doesn't have a a game if we think they can improve or we think they've lacked in a in a particular area we're not we're not going to worry about um who it is we'll call it out and call it as we see it but um when it comes to stanley i think some of the detractions from his game from say last season were we were thinking that he didn't have aggressiveness 
of a typical ruckman that we wanted to to see in the team. He's done well regardless, and the kind of importance of aggressiveness and mongrel and that sort of stuff has seemingly faded in some sense because his athleticism has come through. And when he's high on confidence, he's going to get to contests and he's going to be in and amongst it and, and getting those one percenters. And it's not necessarily mongrel we want to see. It's just the, it is those one percenters, you know, second efforts. I don't think Ottens was necessarily the most out-and-out, aggressive, in-your-face type Ruckman. He was just... An extra midfielder. Second, yeah, second efforts, two, three efforts every time, getting that tackle when the ball comes to ground in in and around the centre circle. Stanley's playing the role that he's been brought into the team to do really well. Yeah, and some other great performances going with that. Yeah, Delhouse over 20 balls, couldn't be happy with that. Five tackles to go with that. That's the important factor for Dalhouse for me. It is keeping up that tackle count as we've seen throughout the season so far, or be that that one performance that we highlighted. Big four <laughs> talks about in the midfield. Tim Kelly, Ablett, although he's not playing mid this year. Dangerfield and Selwood Jake. They stood up again. Kelly with twenty nine disposals. Danger with twenty eight and eighteen contested to go with that. Joel with thirty two and he was Sublime, Joel. Uh, Dangerfield, people talk about his his use of the ball and his set shots weren't on line this match. They haven't been all season, to be fair to, to Paddy Dangerfield in, in terms of his set shots, but he still comes out of the game with 82% disposal efficiency. Those and three of TK, Danger and Selwood, Jake, thought they did extremely, extremely well up against the likes of Orpal and and Amir, as we pointed out, no matter how many outs they have, whether it's Tom Mitchell or whoever, Geelong Hawks match, it's heavy, heavy, heavy duty. Absolutely, yeah. Well, in the third quarter, they moved Selwood and Dangerfield back into the middle because we were doing okay, but I think they wanted to capitalise on how much midfield dominance we could get. And in that third quarter, Dangerfield went like beast mode for like 10 minutes and him and Selwood and Kelly combined really well, which allowed Geelong to have a really dominant patch out of the middle for about 12 to 15 minutes of that quarter. Mm. And as a result of that, you know, there was there was thrusts forward, which led to the Gary Ablett five minutes of absolute divine brilliance from him. And we divine can probably... Um, in some sense? Yeah, we can probably... um mentioned Gary as well as having one of the most important roles at the club and he's playing it really well. So not only did he kick the three goals, but when he pushes to that sort of half forward, sort of uh, in between the forward line and the midfield, that's when he's the most dangerous because he's such a good kick inside 50. And a lot, a lot of the time he just grabs the ball and just, you know, runs 20 metres and runs over the 50 metre line and just kicks the goal, which we started to see a bit mm. of now. He really likes that position and obviously he likes kicking goals on the run as well and and taking hangers in the goal square too. <laughs> Playing as a small forward, but still picking up 23 disposals. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about Cam Guthrie there and his disposal count, or Jaeger Amir and his. His disposal count of 25-26. Gaz in the forward line's pretty, pretty much matched that along with that. Some, yeah, the three goals to go with it. An absolute hanger that was senior-esque. Yeah, uh, 
Oh, and it couldn't be even better that he did it against Hawthorne. It just, yeah. just brought, still brings a smile to my face. Still brings a smile to my face. Best game for Gaz this season? Is yeah, it? definitely the best game, but he, he's done it all year. Like, he might not have got three goals every game, but he's just there and he, he knows where to run. He knows where to go. He's, he's just, he's got that experience behind him. I, don't, I really wish we could have played him in this role last year because it would have really helped us. But I think um, he sort of pushed Sam Menegola out a little bit from that role. That was the role that Menes was playing the last mm. couple of seasons. Um, Menegola is still playing that role, but a, to a bit less effectiveness because obviously Ablett's in there and he's, and he, he, like he's Ablett. So he's going to have a bit more uh, efficiency and, and overall uh, effectiveness of playing that role. But he's doing it really well. And it's definitely one of the main reasons why Geelong's doing so well this year is having a player of that caliber perform that role in the team and the the whole revamped forward line aspect of of Geelong. Yeah, Ollie Grant Myers seems to be able to to pick up disposals and and play his role all over the ground, <laughs> finding the ball at half back at times or kicking a, a great uh, outside of the foot goal up forward. Eighteen disposals to finish the match. Along with that, four inside fifties, two tackles against Hawthorne pressure cooker environment. Young Grind stood up. I love Grind Myers. You know, it's just he just plays the right way that you would want a young player to to play at this point in time. You know, ha- has some confidence to back himself, but also makes sensible decisions more often than not. He'll get to good positions because he can run all day so he's mm-hmm. fit enough to get good decision uh, to get to good positions because he's not tired or mentally tired so he then makes good decisions as a result because he is so fit but oh there's just yeah so much to like about the way he goes about it so much to like about the little bit of mongrel in him as well yeah oh it's just mm-hmm. glowing glowing in praise for for that particular player I thought that was really highlighted when he did have that rundown chase and and got that that free for holding the ball and then straight away I think it kicked it to Dowhouse inside fifty just awareness of the forward line awareness to quickness to move the ball which he loves to do but then at times he does know when to slow the ball down and if I can use the Mitch Duncan esque uh, performance in terms of just the short kicks when necessary when it's further down towards the halfback area or he, yeah. he just seems to have great football IQ and for yeah. a young kid, that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. And same with Tommy Atkins in, in a different way or, or he's in there for the, the brute nature he is. And they're both really, really promising signs. Yeah. It, we, we're playing, you know, that, that high octane, um, high energy, explosive overrunning football, like just, smashing teams with the with the constant momentum waves when we're playing well we're able to kick two three goals very quickly winning those center clearances getting it in and just the the panic that sets in for the defense you know it's 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 what you want to see as a as a coach as a as a fan i'm sure the players can sense the momentum shifts during the game and when we have the momentum, we are, yeah, one of the, at the moment, our form dictates that we are one of the better 
definitely one of the better teams in the competition. And we're going to take some heat. We'll, we'll step into previewing the upcoming match against West Coast a bit soon. But the, the players that didn't have a fantastic game from this game, there, there weren't too many. Jake, from what springs to mind for me, Hawkins didn't have his, his greatest game. Yeah, Gary Rowan, I guess, filled that void, though. So, oh, even though Hawkins was down, there wasn't another at all forward to, to step up for him. Hopefully a lift from Hawkins. Sam Menangola is another one from me, Jake. And I think this is two weeks in a row. We we spoke about previously how prolific he is in terms of his field kicking, in terms of inside 50s especially. Um, his marking ability, his contest marking ability. He comes out with 16 disposals. Only the one inside 50 again. I think that's two weeks in a row from memory. Yeah, he's... Um... He's just such an important player and his inside 50 entries are pretty much 100% or a large percentage of success rate for resulting in scores. And his job is to get the ball inside 50. And yeah, for the last two weeks, he just hasn't done enough to warrant, not not to warrant him being in the team, but to justify him doing his job well over the last couple of weeks. Mm. I was saying before about how Ablett, has you know moved into that role officially now, and that's probably why his output has decreased a little bit. But that's still like sixteen disposals is probably not enough for where Minigola needs to be. It probably needs to be in that twenty to twenty three or four range with at least three or four inside fifties and probably two goal assists every game. That's probably where you'd want to see him. And if he can get around the goals like he used to, it felt it felt like he was getting at least one goal every game for the last year or so. Anyway, so. The only other player I thought maybe didn't have the best game was Jordan Clark, which still he still had five tackles, only the ten disposals though. And to be honest, he looked like the player that probably should have been rested instead of Constable. I understand they wanted to keep Constable for the West Coast game, which we'll talk about in a sec, and the West Coast, you know, bigger, stronger midfield. But Clark just looked a bit tired and he gave away three free kicks and I was just wondering if that was a result of, of his tiredness and you know, maybe maybe he's the one that comes out for for Tui or Buse if they come back in shortly. Yeah, which I guess does spark a bit of VFL talk. Zach Tui made his return to the the VFL last weekend, Saturday against Werribee. Racked up, I think it was 15 disposals, 15, 18 disposals. Limited time on ground, but still one of the the better players on ground. So I I think with Jordan Clark not having a full preseason, um. With his, with his other duties. He's played five games now. We know he can crack it at AFL level. We know he's going to be... He's already signed on for the yeah. Cats, so he's going to be hopefully a long-term player for years and years to come. But against West Coast at home, if Tui is fit, assuming he is fit, I think that would be a good replacement. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I would have thought so. They play a very similar role anyway, and Tui does offer a lot of run and carry out of the halfback and defence line. So if that was a move that was to happen, that would be, I would think, better for Geelong overall. And, and there's no reason why Clarkie couldn't come back into the side, you know, maybe play in a wing or from a back pocket and still utilise that that running ability and that lethal boot that he's gotten to hit targets in the midfield and in the forward line. Mm. A good close win against Werribee, I think it was three points. James Parsons was has been one of the standout performers for the, the VFL side. He's been named as an emergency in most of the matches 
this season, or all that I can remember. But Chandler Breeze actually stated he's he's almost too good for for VFL now, and yeah, he's he's reached that level where he is too good for VFL. But our AFL team, you you look at from the seniors who could come out and who could where could Parsons play? Last year we saw him in the forward line, we saw him in the wing at times. It didn't quite click. I think I raised an argument last season that I think long term he'd be more suited to a half back role where he'd be be able to easily gain disposals and gain confidence from that early on in his career. But it's a tough one when you when you do have players that are really playing well in the AFL. But then you look at our AFL side and and <laughs> who do you take out from that? Yeah, I mean. Um... And there's also the there's also the argument that um, at the minute he he might be too good for for VFL, but on occasion he does struggle to to take that next step up to the elite level. So um, he's at least providing competition for spots, and there's pressure on all players on the list to give their best efforts to warrant a spot in the team. Mm. Yeah, you need the yeah. competition for spots for everyone to be kept honest. But for the moment, we're playing well with the structure that we have and with the players that we have in the team. So he may he may just be banging the door down for a little while, and then we'll have you know we'll inevitably have an injury of some sort during the year, and he'll come in when when that time comes. But for now, I wouldn't want to be uh, messing with something that that's. Why fix it if it's not broken? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably does lead us into talking about the upcoming Sunday match at Kidney Park against West Coast, which will tick off our sixth match of the season. Currently sitting top of the ladder after round five, which very few supporters, even the optimistic ones, would have thought we'd be standing here come the end of round five. Going up... Jake against the likes in the midfield of Dom Sheed, who tore it up the first few weeks. Andrew Gaff back introduced into the regime. Dom Sheed's been a bit quieter, but they have real quality through the centre. And matched by that is the likes of Shannon Hearn and McGovern down back, who are incredible contested markers, incredible uses of the ball. They're a possession-type team. They love keeping hold of the possession, but... In recent weeks, they have been shown up. And last week, they were seriously shown up. Yeah, Port um, did a number on them going into the into their forward line. They didn't actually give the West Coast intercept defenders a chance to mark the ball. They just got it in very ugly along the ground and, you know, quick, short, sharp kicks that often didn't hit players and actually just went to their feet. But I think that, that showed the key on how to beat West Coast is just like unpredictable ball movement and you know if you if you're not sure about where to kick next don't just bomb it into the forward line and give west coast back possession just hold the kick up and and wait for a lead and and hit the target that way um or even even just kicking into into space you know yeah. in and around the 50 putting it yeah i think they call they had a name for it it's just like dirty dirty, dirty. ball or dirty football you yeah. know just just mm. getting it in there quick and yeah. you know, backing your backing your small players, backing your small forwards to provide that pressure to lock it in. And I think Geelong can exploit that because they do have a, a, a bevy of um, 
of quality smaller or mid-sized players at the moment. Who are fast are hunting, as well, yeah. That are hunting that was, for uh, the tackles and, and pressure. That was highlighted, I think, through a few of Hawthorne's goals against us. That, that Mitchell Lewis goal, that was just because they got it into the forward line quickly. We didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> it was a handball out, but and then goes straight to Mitchell Lewis's boot and ends up in the goal. So they yeah. had a few unlucky goals that we conceded. But uh, that's the brand, I think. Do we have to play that? Is is it get it in forward at all costs and hope that we lock it in there with the likes of Atkins and Dalhouse and Rowan, etc.? Jake? Or how, I, I, how would be our, I would be backing our smaller forward line to create um, create goals and you know, opportunities to score out of, you know, any any balls that come down that aren't marked by McGovern or Hearn. Um, I think that is the key to beating West Coast is, like we just said, get it in quick and use the, the bevy of small forwards that we do have to create those scores. And if we can occasionally hit, you know, like Sav or Hawkins up on a lead, that's awesome. They can go back and kick their goals. But I think the game will be won getting it actually into the forward line and, and just having the best efficiency possible of converting those half chances into, into scores. Um, I think mm. the midfields and the, and our back line will do their job against, you know, Darling and Kennedy, which are really strong marking forwards. And I think we've got the back line that can cover that as well, especially with how we intercept as well. Cause let's not forget we're one of the better intercept um, defenses in the competition as well. And the midfield, will probably be, uh, um, well, it will be a massive battle in determining who wins because they definitely have their weapons. And if we can shut down, you know, maybe Guthrie goes to Gaff on the wing or and or plays a similar run with Roll to what he did with O'Meara last week, I think that will go a long way in stopping the midfield because Gaff just gives them heaps of options and, you know, repeat inside 50s and lots of possessions. And if we can go some way to stopping him and, you know, Luke Shuey has proved that he can be tagged before, not necessarily that we'll tag him, but if we can have a player that marks him pretty closely, maybe Selwood, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a very important battle. Oh. Yeah, and I, I think as we were alluding to with the um, discussing uh, Dangerfield and Selwood being brought into the midfield with great effect for the Hawthorne game, I think that's the that's the plan that they they've now been implementing, you know, keep, keep someone like Selwood out of the middle for large portions of the game, but then put him in the, put him in at the coal face for the clutch moments for the periods when we really can capitalize on dominance. Mm. Other than, other than that, put some faith in the younger guys to contest at the center clearances and, and, and these sorts of things. Cause they'll, they'll have to do it because they will have to be life after Joel, after Joel Selwood, of course. Yeah. West Coast are doing that too. Now with the likes of Jack Precciatelli playing up forward and kicking a bag, albeit they suffered it a bad defeat, but our last match against Kenya Park, we saw Geelong kicking long balls down the line because we didn't have any movement through the corridor whatsoever. If this comes to that style of play, I think we're going to be beaten. Very tall side. And 
Tom Hickey as well is a good marker, to be fair to him. So he'll be able to create a spoil on the wing and, and reset stoppage. And, and we've already pointed out that the quality backs in the likes of Hearn and McGovern. Uh, Brad Shepard. Field as well, Brad Shepard. Yeah, the elite, elite markers. And so if we play a slow brand this weekend, I think we may be found out corridor use will be really, really interesting to me, for me as opposed to how we use the ground and how we use our dimensions. But one of the facts that we, we talked about after the GLBS match that it seemed like their home ground and this is ours, we, we should know how to use it to our best advantage. So, right. mm. yeah, we, we really need to dictate the pace of this game when it's on our terms, when it's not on our terms and know when to increase it or slow it down. But... Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. If we win this, 5-1, and one, and, and it is very winnable at our home ground, why not? We why should not? be capitalising on any game at home. We should, be, we should be winning, but obviously West Coast are probably the premiership favourite for a reason, and even though they had a loss last week, um, that might have given us an in on how to beat them. But, you know, if I said last week, I think if we can come out of the next two weeks or before the GWS game, I think I said, if we could win two out of those three, that we'd be looking good and we've got one and hopefully we can get the other one this week and we'll be looking very pretty on top of the ladder with another win. But, you know, it's going to be a really hard game. And, and if we, if we lose this game, hopefully it's, we, we only lose to West coast because they were the better team on the day. Um, and it, at least if we can show effort, we can, we'll still be looking good in this scheme of things to show we can keep up with the big teams. Mm. I guess we'll finish on our upcoming Cloud of the Week and predictions. For me, uh, obviously we've recorded this before teams have been released, but uh, I'm going to go lock in Zach Tui for him to well, turn in and rack up the, the rebound 50s, get it in quick into our forward line. Burst out of the back, provide some corridor movement or just some quick ball movements. Zach Dilly, welcome back to the AFL, the early crow. <laughs> Jake? I'm going to back in my boy Sav to have four contested marks and two goals. This will be the week where he unleashes and finally clicks in the role that he's been playing. And I think his strong marking ability and leading patterns and strength will pay off well against the experienced West Coast defence. I like it. Uh, I will go with the form man of the team at the moment, who I would say is probably Gary Rowan, given, oh, given yeah. the impact he had in uh, in the last, last match. I feel like he is in some terrific form at the moment, so long may it continue, and hopefully everything with his body remains... Um, 100% or, or close enough to it. Uh, but, yeah, oh, he's, a, he's just a, a, a beast when he's um, up and going. You know, so explosive, so powerful. Um, there's very few players that can outrun him or have pace to match his. Um, I think uh, Jack Pat- uh, Petricelli is probably the only one that's, you know, in that realm of just super quick just lightning across the ground. Um, but Rowan has potentially, well, seemingly higher velocity and and 
impact on a contest because he's just bigger. So he can hit a bit harder and, you know, make players uh, feel his contact and know that he's in their area. So um, he's really settled into our um, environment. He's really settled into the way the team wants him to play. He's found a role that really suits him quite well. And as I was saying earlier, I think he's more suited to us than he is to the way Sydney would play, which shows with his current form, and I hope it continues. So he is my Clouder Cat of the Week for this week. I like it. If you are heading down to the match on, on Sunday, as you are walking past to Kenya Park, to the Cattery, look over to Lord of the Isles and spare a thought for Peter Burnett and all he's done for the, the Geelong community. A great, great venue and still will be. Harry Taylor's celebration is fantastic. It's still in my memory. But if you are having a drink on, on Sunday, just have one for Peter Burnett. Nice one. Absolutely. Go Cats. Let's make it five and one. Let's see how it yeah, goes. Go, Go Cats. Cats. Get it out! Get it out! Get it out!